Hey everyone, I'm Elizabeth Swan. And I'm Tracy O'Rourke and we're from the Just In Time Cafe and welcome to our podcast at the cafe. We wrestle with tough questions, we talk to groundbreakers, discuss great books and get insights from lean Six Sigma practitioners who are making a difference in the world. We let you in on helpful apps, we bring you the news and we challenge the status quo so you can build your problem solving muscles. So Elizabeth, I wonder what's on the cafe menu today. Mm. Today's highlight is all about you and me, Tracy. And we are so excited we completely hijacked the podcast. We're dedicating this month's podcast to us. We're talking about your lean parody music video. And your new book. And we'll let you in on what's next for both of us and the upcoming events that you and I are excited about. It's the best day at the cafe, Tracy. I know, I would have to agree with that. Coming up next, it's our featured guest section starring the Tracy O'Rourke. And the Elizabeth Swan. So we, you've probably heard all kinds of stuff about Elizabeth and how much of an expert she is in the last 25 years, but I'm gonna share some stuff you might not know about Elizabeth. She was played by Kira Knightley in the Pirates of the Caribbean. She can ride a unicycle. She performed full length improvised musicals for Improv Boston. And her ultimate Frisbee team won the national championships in 1988. Oh yeah, all true, all true facts. And let me tell you a little bit about Tracy. She's rising up the ranks in the pickleball universe. She was the queen harvest ball organizer for 10 years. She can run 80s dance move tutorials like nobody else. And she currently owns 10,000 costumes and wigs. So if Lean Six Sigma doesn't pan out, she can open her own store. Yeah, and that's my, that's my, my backup plan, even though I've been doing this for 25 years. Right on. <laughs> Tracy, we've done a lot, a lot, but your latest creation is a lean parody music video called Baby Got Tools, which is a rendition of Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-A-Lot. So tell us, Miss Fix-A-Lot, it's not every day that a master black belt process improvement coach and consultant writes rap song lyrics and produces it. So why'd you do it? Well, uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, the reason why I did it mostly is because it just brings joy. It just brings joy, you know, process improvement. I love what I do. You know, I love what I do. I know you love what you do. And, but you know, sometimes process improvement is hard because it involves change and change management. And so sometimes it could be a slog for people. And sometimes you're going to have a hard day in process improvement because you've got a bunch of resistors in the room or, or your leader just decided not to support your project. <laughs> and so I just wanted to insert some joy into process improvement. And I wanted to create something that was upbeat, that brings joy, that makes people laugh, that kind of pokes fun at what we do to a degree because it is funny and it can be fun. And I want it to be something that if people have a hard day at work and they need to pick me up, they can play Baby Got Tools 
and just, you know, forget about their problems and let stuff go. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's on my playlist constantly now. (laughs) That is my absolute go-to pick me up. So, you know, clearly you succeeded in bringing the joy. So how did you first come up with the idea of writing the song? Um, so the very, very first time I thought about writing this song is, um, I was sent a meme called, I love big books, right? Uh, and instead of, I love big butts, right. From the baby got back, I love big books. And it was, it wasn't done to music. I saw that someone had rewrote the lyrics of that song to, I love big books. And it was about education. I think there's actually a YouTube video on this that uh, somebody finally did do. And it's all about, you know, reading and books. And I thought it was hilarious. And I thought, you know, it'd be really funny to do something like that for process improvement. You know, like, I like lean tools. And that's really how it started. It was just like a a thought and a moment. So it was really about doing something different. I said, we should just do this. We should, we should write it. And I started writing a couple lyrics down and I was, it was cracking me up. It was cracking me up coming up with these lyrics and sometimes on those long plane rides, uh, you know, from Chicago to Hawaii or, you know, coming back, you're just like, I'm just going to start like playing with these lyrics. So it was, it was really, that was the original, but it's, it was, it's kind of a, you know, that's when I first started, but I never finished it back then. I just kind of, I just worked on it for fun when I was, you know, I needed some entertainment. Yeah. So, and I get that. That is so fun. That's just something that I would I, I enjoy as much as you do just writing stuff like that, but you started it years ago. So what prompted you to finish writing the lyrics now? <laughs> so during COVID, Mark Graben started this group called the Lean Communicators. And it was a bunch of people who did lean podcasts. And we would meet monthly because, I mean, nobody nobody was having consultants come into their their companies anymore. So we had a lot of time on our hands. (laughs) I think we were meeting monthly with Mark Rabin and all the lean communicators and kind of talking about everything. And we try to make it, you know, how do we make it better? What do we use? What software, what, you know, what works for us? What are some best practices for these podcasts? And it was a great, it was a great, um, those were great sessions. And of course, as we got busier, we, we were able to do them less and less. But we had people facilitate each each person. You and I facilitated one of those meetings, and uh, one time Sam Morgan was facilitating it, and he shared a music video that had already been out there. Um, I think it was um, a Demaic song or something like that. And and then I said, "Oh, I wrote a song," and he goes, "What?" I go, "Yeah, I wrote a song, but I never recorded it." And he's Sam Morgan was like, "You need to record that." you need to finish it. You need to record it. And I just, he just got me thinking about it more and more. And I thought, you know what? He's right. I should finish it and I should record it. And so that's kind of how it started. And then um, one day, I I can't say it was a whole, a really hard day, but it was a hard meeting. I was coming out of a, a meeting that was very difficult. There were some resistors in there. And the person that I was working with, he was the team lead. He looked at me and he goes, how do you do this stuff all day? He didn't say stuff though. He used a different word that I shouldn't repeat on this podcast. And I was like, what do you mean? I love this stuff. Like, how do you not love process improvement? And I, I really wish I had had the song because I would have broke it out and start playing it and probably started dancing to it uh, just to make him <laughs> realize that this stuff is awesome. 
Uh, so anyways, that also prompted me and inspired me. Um, well, thank God. And everyone has benefited from your getting the inspiration to pull this thing to fruition. So, but you really pulled this thing together. I mean, this is, it's, I mean, beyond entertaining, but it's also slick. So tell us about the the music video, like the producer, the storyboard, right? Like, how did that go? Yeah, th that was really interesting. So I actually first recorded the audio part of this, of this, of the song. I didn't really think I was going to have a music video per se. I thought I was really just going to do a song and record the song. And when I finally finished the recording, I would play it for people and they thought it was hilarious, but most of the time they couldn't hear what I was saying because I was talking so fast because it's a rap song, yeah. you know, and you're, it's, it's got a pretty fast cadence. So I thought, you know what, I need a music video to go along with this. And I had no experience, you know, doing a music video. Honestly, I thought it was going to be like a bunch of zoom talking heads during the video. And I thought, you know, I probably should look at finding an expert that should do this. So I, I started actually looking at music video producers in my area and I found somebody, his name's Tony, Tony Hickey. And he, uh, I thought, Hey, I, I was, I, you look like you're a music producer and I, I kind of need a music video. And he's like, are you a real artist? And I'm like, no. <laughs> he's like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> So, you know, and he's like, well, um, all right. And then I met him. We met for coffee. I really liked him. And, you know, I honestly didn't even call anybody else after, after I met him. And, you know, he put a storyboard together. It took us two and a half hours to go through a storyboard for a five minute song, but he created 13 characters. And, you know, I think, you know, the funniest part about that is I'm like, oh my God, I got to find 13 people to be in a music video with me. And he's like, no, you're every character. And I'm like, oh my God, I love this idea because you know me, I got the 10,000 costumes. And um, so I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then I really, really got into the characters. Like I thought, oh my gosh, we're going to design all these characters. And um, I really got into it. So that obviously is one of the most impressive things about the video is just this parade of characters, right? Production worker, Poindexter, Sensei, like, there are 13 characters. So who's your favorite? Well, you know, what's funny is if you watch the video, 13 characters were designed into the video, but 13 characters, characters did not make it. So there's like two or three that ended up on the cutting room floor and they only made the line at the very beginning. So I actually, one of the costumes I had was Peggy Bundy and she only made the line. Right. So she wasn't in. But, you know, we've got some footage that I might share at some point um, of her dancing, which is hilarious. So uh, but I would have to say out of all the characters, you know, some of my favorites are the production worker. That was actually inspired by the work I'm doing at Southwestern Regional Maintenance Center, Swarmick. I've been helping the Navy now for over two years. And that pr production worker person uh, character is um, inspired by the project managers that fix ships, really. And then Poindexter, I love her. She was inspired by Revenge of the Nerds in the 80s. And then my other favorite character is the Valley Girl at the very beginning. It's actually modeled after my, my girlfriend. Her name's Carla, Carla Martinez. And she just looks just like, she just like, she has beautiful hair and my friend Carla is a hairstylist. She always looks amazing. And I and I actually, when I designed that character, I'm like, what would Carla wear? 
Yeah. What would Carla wear? And actually it's funny because she gave me this jacket and I ended up wearing the jacket (laughs) that she gave me. But my most favorite character, of course, is Miss Fix-A-Lot because she was the original character that I originally came up with. And she got to wear two costumes in the video. One was being the rapper. And the second one was she became a boxer and she's crushing waist. And I just loved that. And it was super fun. So yeah, I had a lot of fun. I would totally do it again. And I got a lot of raw footage. So I don't know. I'm going to probably end up doing something with it. I love it, man. More to come. And I do love Miss Fix-A-Lot, man. Those boxing shots are just iconic. It's like, I think you're going to be in posters on people's walls. (laughs) For a long time to come. Um, So now what's next? What's going to happen now, Tracy? Oh, I've got lots of things planned virtually. So as you said, there's some some posters out, um, you know, and I was going to sell them. And now I'm just like, you know what? Just take them. If you want a poster, take it. (laughs) It's going to be free, basically. You know, uh, I got a lot of requests for fish bling. So Mm -hmm. we actually you know, you can buy fish bling if you really want it. I think it's cute. If you are giving away prizes of some kind to reward somebody, it's just fun. Like I went to the process Palooza yesterday and everybody, everybody fell in love with the fish bling, of course. And so in person, I'm going to be going to the central coast lean conference in April. We're going to be highlighting the video there. I'm um, going to the lean summit with Jared Thatcher in June. We're going to probably be doing something there that's related to the video of some kind. And then I'm back at UC San Diego for the Lean in Higher Education Conference in October. And that one goes all over the place. Like last year it was in Scotland. And then, no, I'm sorry, last year it was in Australia. The year before that it was in Scotland. And now it's coming to San Diego. And then um, I think it's going to be in England next year. So it, that just moves all over the place. So I'm super excited about that one. So physically, those are the things I'm going to be at coming up. But there's going to be a lot of stuff happening virtually, too. Love it. Love it, Tracy. Can't get enough of Miss Fix a lot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for entertaining me. And that was all about me. But now it's all about you, Elizabeth. And you know what? I have known you for 23 years. I love you. You've done so much. And we wrote a book together already. But your latest creation is a new book called Picture Yourself a Leader. And I'm so happy for you. And I'm so excited for this book to come out. And so, of course, I have a few questions as well. Okay, so tell us about the inception. What prompted you to write this book? Well, COVID and some other unexpected things left me with some free time (laughs) very early on in COVID. And, you know, as I was pulling together, you know, some more um, work, I decided to write about things that I had learned in my 30 plus years, right? So I've been around a while and I tell stories, right? You tell stories when we, um, when we teach, when we coach, it's those stories that stick with people. And so I started to write just these little stories and I posted them in LinkedIn and uh, Karen Ross also was sort of pushing me to to draw too. And I, you know, I'm, I, I love drawing. I love artwork, but you know, I've got like uh, very famous painters and sculptors and uh, potters in my family. I'm, I'm, I'm not that or any of those, but I do love to draw. So I started putting illustrations in there. And when I put them out, I would just ask 
the LinkedIn community, like what, you know, what did you do about this issue? It's usually a mistake or just an issue that you run into when you're doing process improvement. And everybody chimed in, the conversations were incredible. And I learned a ton just listening to that. So, uh, and at some point someone said, hey, this would be great if you pull them all into a book. And of course, once you get that seed in your mind, like you did with the video, like, yeah, I should do that. I should create that. And then it just started to slowly evolve, like, okay, I will do that, right? So that that was this, that was the seed. Yeah. I remember those posts that you were doing on COVID. And I remember us like talking about them and how many comments it was they were generating and how many views that were happening. And you know, people certainly enjoyed and be liked being engaged with some of the questions that you had. And I remember I loved it. And then you started doing it regularly. You know, you, I'm going to start doing this every Tuesday. And, you know, you you had some thought behind it and you really, I just loved that, that whole process from inception to like seeing that there's some draw with some of the questions that you had. So I, I I'm, it was, it was kind of cool to kind of see it and watch it. Now it's going to become a book. So, you know, and, and I think the hard part is Sometimes people always ask, well, what problem are you trying to solve with the book? And I think it just helps people feel like they're connected, like, oh, some of these issues, it's not, not just related to me. But what I want to know is, what does it address? If you had to pick something, what problem do you think it solves? I think that we are influencing people all the time, right? And the impact of our words, our actions can be unintentionally not good, right? And they can get in the way of problem solving. They can get in the way of ourselves and other people sort of being their best and doing their best. And so I wanted to bring those kind of people-centric stumbles to the, to the fore so you could recognize that you are influencing people, right? You don't have to have a formal title, right? You're uh, people you work with, uh, you're, you're leading people in lots of different ways that you don't really know. It doesn't have to be formal leadership to have an impact, right? Um, and so I wrote to address those, uh, help us surface those issues and decide, hey, maybe I want to try something else, right? Now I see what I do and I see the impact it has, like, that I recognize this in this story. So let me try something different. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Um, so tell us a little, what do you want to share about the book? Because it's coming out soon. So excited. And there's, you know, leadership, there's there's tons of leadership books out there, but I know yours is different. And what do you want to tell the audience about the book? Well, first off, I know if you know me and, you know, people know us, like the book has a sense of humor. So I was surprised that when I sent some review copies to folks, and they would see things like, I laughed out loud, right? Mm -hmm. Or Lily Angelosi, she said, oh my God, I'm nodding my head and laughing and going, I, I do that. I recognize that. That is so spot on. So these are short stories. There's 50 of them. And you will recognize, if not yourself, people you work with uh, are all very clear. And then I, I um, curated what I call the wisdom of the crowd, right? So like you said, Tracy, these conversations got really big, you know, just thousands of people chiming in. So I, I pulled some examples from people in our world and other worlds that 
experienced the same thing or had some ideas of how to overcome it. So you've got these great nuggets. And then I give prompts to the reader, like, okay, um, what would you like to try that's different, right? So encouraging that experimentation that is the underpinning of our work, right? So if you want a different, you see a different future state, you know, you want to be, uh, you want to be better, you want to be a leader that people want to follow, then let's try something else. So it gives people questions to try out new things, right? Oh, absolutely. I love that too, because I think I think that's is so powerful to re recognize something's happening to someone and they're telling you a story and then you recognize, oh my God, I do that. <laughs> I love that Lily said that. And, you know, I think there's a lot of good nuggets about how we, how, just like you said, it's unintentional sometimes. And a big part of it is, you know, I find that sometimes we're just not aware. We're just not aware of what we're doing. It's uh, unintentional and it sometimes isn't good. And it, the first thing we have to do is be aware of it. So I think, I think it's, you know, I think this helps with awareness, like recognizing that you may have been doing some of these things, even though it's somebody else's story. So I love that. So, and again, you, you kind of talked through um, some folks using it and reading it. And I know that, of course, that our audience is who it's for. Yeah. And we're getting, a, we're getting a lot, you're getting a lot of support and acknowledgement from, from our audience. But who would you say the book is for? Who, who do you think it would be best suited for in terms of picking it up? It's interesting because I originally, I think it's from my perspective. So it would be leading other problem solvers, right? So it's people in organizations that are trying to encourage problem solving or trying to lead other people and influence them in positive ways. It's also for people who are just starting to recognize that they are influencing people, they are impacting people and that they should take a, an active part in that. So it's emerging leaders, people realizing they're leaders. It's also problem solvers because you see a lot of the issues you run into as a problem solver, like, oh yeah, perfecting rework. I do that. Or, oh yeah, you know, one of the chapters is about the opposite of listening. Uh, the opposite of talking isn't listening. It's waiting to talk. And as soon as I put that out there, I don't, I, that one blew up. It was like, <laughs> oh my God, I struggle with that all the time. That's like a lifelong struggle. I cannot um, get a handle on it. So this, uh, so really helps people on a human level, right? These are human stumbles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. You know, I didn't even think about that. You know, you said emerging leaders. I'm going to have my son read it. I, I had a, another reviewer say, I'm going to give it to my two daughters, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, um, that, Yeah, I think. And, and it was interesting, the responses from people who aren't in our industry, because they were like, oh, I recognize this. Like, you know, one woman is a movie director and she's like, no, I know that sometimes I'm talking to people and they have no idea what I'm talking about. Like I'm using jargon, I'm doing things and I'm not, I'm, she goes, I laughed out loud because I know there's times when people are like, huh, what are you talking about? <laughs> so you are coming out of probably and almost there, but still in it to a degree. I mean, this is your second book. And you've gone through the writing process, the publishing process. And I'm going to remember like when we went through the publishing process for our book, I mean, I was always turning the corner going, what? We got to do all this too. <laughs> and it just felt like I had no idea. 
about, oh my God, this is, I, I thought we were done. And then there's like four more toll gates we had to hit. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So tell us, let's not focus on the things that were painful, but what, what would you say was your favorite part of that whole process of coming up with a book? Coming, like writing it, publishing it. Did you have a favorite part of this process? Yeah, well, right now I'm in what I call the sprint to print. And part of your job as a writer that I think we don't always really take into consideration when we when we are writing a book, you think, oh, I wrote the book. Good. Good for me. I'm done. It's like, no, there is a lot of work, as you pointed out. And one of them is you got to talk about it. And so, so the uh, coaching I got was you've got to um, talk about your journey, you know, publishing the book. And I was like, uh like a fork in me like I do not want to like man the journey so I was like actually you know it'd be fun like you on the plane writing your lyrics like I love writing limericks so I thought well if I write the journey you know the sprint to print uh, publishing journey in lot in rhyme like that that captivated me so I started writing all these limericks I swear I woke up at three in the morning I'd be like oh I got another limerick <laughs> and I just started writing about the process of bringing the book to print, right? We are, I'm close, right? It's this month. It's, it's April 19th. This thing goes live. And so I'm, I'm close now, but I'm still in the thick of it. Right. And, and that caused once again, a great conversation on LinkedIn. People are like, oh my God, like even the latest one was about self-promotion, like talking about your book. And some people are like, I, I wish I could talk about my book more, you know? So it's like just uh, all these very, again, human issues around, this process of bringing something into print. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you should write a book on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Karen Martin said, can you pull all those blogs together as a, as a guide for authors? <laughs> yeah, I clearly, and maybe there is one, but I just remember being completely surprised by all the other things that had to be done, the sprint to print, as you call it, that I didn't know that was a thing even. So anyway, very, uh, so yeah, you're in the process of writing another book. Okay, so so that might be something that's coming up for you. But what I really want to know is what really is coming up for you? What do you got planned? When is it going to be available? And when are we going to party? Okay, well, as you know, Ms. Hostess, Ms. Co-Hostess, we've got a virtual book launch party on the 19th of April. It is 3 p.m. Pacific. 6 p.m. Eastern, so the Eastern folks might have a, a beverage. I don't know. Yeah. And then, uh, so that will be, um, that'll be uh, fun. That'll be some, uh, some contests, some, some, uh, some quizzes, a little bit of, uh, of I'll, I'll bring some of the book out. Um, there'll be some prizes. So anyway, that'll just be a fun, just celebratory launch on the 19th. Um, I'm working on an on-site uh, venue for uh, another book launch in May. I'm working on that. I'm going to run a related workshop. Hopefully, I just submitted one for uh, DeAndre Wardell and I to run at the uh, AME conference in Cleveland this fall. So I'm waiting to hear about that. Mm -hmm. And Yeah. And I've got another uh, event with Katie Anderson that's going to happen in June. I've got another event coming up in May, and that's with Karen Ross, and that focuses on the illustration part of the book, right? That we're all, we're all capable of drawing and should do it more. Uh, yeah. So a lot of events coming, those are just a few. Oh my goodness. 
That'll sound super fun too. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Don't forget to register for her party. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, so excited for you, Elizabeth. I'm really, really looking for this. This, this is going to be a crazy year for you. And you. <laughs> Yay us. Yay us. Be sure to register for our Friday, April 21st webinar featuring Stephanie Oliver. The title is Stay Flocused. Use Lean Thinking to Move from Overwhelm to Flow. And I love this. Do you ever feel swamped by the demands of the day? Never. Does overwhelm take over your day-to-day -day reality at work or at home? Never. Right. It can get a lot better by understanding flow and what limits you must place in, to manage flow, you'll be prepared to create a better daily process, which I love. You can overcome the overwhelm. Now that sounds like a bumper sticker. So Stephanie's going to talk about applying lean thinking and the scientific mindset to your everyday life to uncover simple ways to manage your days of flow system. So remember to click the link for that. And don't forget, most important too, is Elizabeth Books, Elizabeth's Book Party on Wednesday, April 19th, 3 p.m. Karen Martin and I are hosting the party and it's going to be a good time. So join us. We have been so psyched to have your company. Thank you for coming to the cafe. We have a lot of gratitude for all of you for listening to our cafe, our podcast every month. Join us next month and every month for the, your jolt of lean caffeine.